it we just went cold from three. It's really it's really simple with this team. When they hit their threes, they look really really good, and when they miss them, they go down big quick. And I, I love tough wins and bad or bad losses. It shows your warts, your weaknesses uh, for everything that you need to work on. So I don't have any expectations. I am honestly expecting there not to be anything. Honestly, um, I don't see anything like major uh, happening. I don't think Monty's gonna like make a big trade or anything like that and put us in a hole. But you, I mean, I guess you never know. But that that's what I'm expecting. Nothing too big. That's what we've been waiting to see. And there is pandemonium at Arco. like that motherfucking being. Welcome to the Beam Unit. It's Daily. Joined by my co-pilot Liz and then special guest Ross from Beam Unit Spaces. What's going on, Ross? What's up? Thank you for having me. Liz, how are you? I'm good. Just enjoying, you know, the last day of the week until we have to hit a new day and back to school I go, you know. So yeah, I'm good. We're here in the studio one day after the Kings glorious road win over the Chicago Bulls. Uh, let's get into it. First quarter Kings set the tone on both sides of the ball. Monk hits his usual mid range fadeaway. De'Aaron makes us his second tough and one Kings were in control 32 to 25 second quarter. Monk hits a dope behind the back midi step back. Trey Lyles punches in three threes. Fox hits a long three to end the quarter. Kings up 17, 68-51. Liz, Ross, what are your thoughts on the first half? Yeah, I thought like they did automatically set the tone. I thought De'Aaron Fox came out super aggressive, which was nice to see. Um, the ball was moving. Yeah, Trey Lyles got going early. Um, Keegan kind of like struggled a little bit, but I still feel like he was out there kind of like at least defensively, you know, like not completely terrible. Um, but yeah, the ball was literally moving. They were hitting their shots. Kevin Herter had some nice threes. Um, Harrison Barnes, I think hit a couple. So yeah, the fact that they were flowing, I think they had what 71 points in the first half, um, just goes to show that, you know, when you move the ball, you take smart, you know, shots, don't turn the ball over. Um, this offense is very dangerous. So yeah, very, very good first half for the team. Ross, any of your, uh, you have any in, uh, input to the first half? Yo. Sorry, cut me out. Um, yeah, uh, thought, thought they started really well. Um, nine assists in their first nine baskets. Just really good ball movement. Can kind of see Fox was locked in. Um, he just looks like when he wants to show up and be good, he can be the best player on the floor. And I kind of don't blame him for not doing that every night because it just has to be exhausting. A lot of these really good stars around the league, they have more help than him. So being that guy for 82 you know, games a year is really asking a lot. And uh, you know, good on him for just showing up and setting the tone early. Really good first half from them. Um, finally good to see the bench come back and be as good as we know they can be. Like we know we saw in the first 20, 30 games, how good this bench is. And they kind of had a little slump might have to do with rotations kind of constantly changing, but good to see them back to their old form. 
Exactly. And I want to shout out HB for the first half. He, he did a great job on DMAR in the first half. Uh, he set the tone defensively and he didn't let DMAR DeRozan get going. So I thought he did a great job. Third quarter, Herder and HB hit threes. Fox had one of his five steals and it was converted into what HB Mitty. Malik Monk gets a big block on Kobe White. Bulls cut the Kings' large lead to 10. Fourth quarter, Kings' defense forces a 24 second violation early. Kobe White and Caruso lead a Bulls run. Bulls actually cut the lead to three. Fox takes over and attacks the paint. Domas got a tough end one in a crowd of Bulls. Kings pull away and win 123 115. Ross, what was your reaction to the second half? Um, I'll take a win. If you're winning on the road like this, you know, like the famous G-Man said, any road win is a good road win. And I remember hearing that line 25, 30 years ago, and it stuck with me because it's true. It's, you know, really tough to get wins. Obviously, you'd love to see it be better. But you know what? You build this big 30-point lead, and you blew it, and now you actually have film you know, that Mike Brown can go over and say, listen, this is what you guys did wrong here. It's simple. You, you know, tried to hold on to the lead instead of just pushing the ball. And as much as uh, it seems like it might've been that it, we just went cold from three. It's really, it's really simple with this team. When they hit their threes, they look really, really good. And when they miss them, they go down big quick. And it's kind of today's NBA. I know a lot of people, had big reactions over blowing the 30 point lead, but it's not a crazy thing. Like it, five years ago, if you blow a 30 point lead, it's talked about everywhere, but it probably happens a couple times a night in the NBA. So not as big of a deal as I think people are making it. Yeah. I, yeah, I completely agree with what Ross is saying. Like it, it is a bummer that they kind of, you know, got out to that 30 point lead and then they could have like potentially rested like their guys, um, you know, for Monday cause they were on a back to back. So I think that's like the more disappointing aspect of it. Um, but I, you have to give credit to the bulls because they went out there defensively. They locked up, they were scrappy. Um, Kobe white was just going fucking off, like doing what he was doing. Um, Alex Caruso was just playing amazing defense. I thought, and then, yeah, we weren't hitting our shots. Like, I mean, like newsflash, if you don't hit your shots, like your your lead's going to start to disappear or you're going to be losing by a lot. Like that's just, you know, the math of the NBA. So um, the fact that one, yes, they got the win. They got the win on a back-to-back, which is obviously huge. And then they're on the road. Um, I'll take that any time because last night, you know, we're on our seven-game road trip. That's a long road trip. It's like a span of almost two weeks that, you know, these guys are away from their homes, their beds, you know, all that stuff. Um, so, you know, they're exhausted from getting on planes and constantly traveling city to city. Like, yes, it is their job. They get paid to do it. It is, you know, that is what it is. But from a human perspective, like that's going to take a toll on anyone, regardless whether you're getting paid for it or not. Um, so the fact that, yeah, they went out there, they were able to finish, they hit their free throws in the clutch, which was lovely to see finally. Um, because if they had lost that game due to free throws, I probably would have like cried. Uh, but yeah, just a good way to end it, get the win, get out of there, um, you know, and then move on to the last game of the road trip. And then especially like that was our first time in franchise history, winning five games on a seven game road trip. Um, that itself is a, a major win as well, um, because you're always kind of looking for, you know, things as a franchise to continue to build on and things like that. So the fact that this team is kind of making history in their own different ways. So they're not specifically compared to 
you know, the olden days, like they're their own team now and they're building on something special. So I think that's also really exciting to see. And I thought it was a good thing that they had a 30 point lead because with a 30 point lead, the bulls just got tired. I think, I think with a 20 point lead, the bulls probably might've won that game, but because it was a 30 point lead, they expended all their energy to come back. They didn't have anything left to finish. So I, I think there's that aspect. Um, and I, I love tough wins and bad or bad losses. It shows your warts, your weaknesses uh, for everything that you need to work on. And I, and I know I, I say this all the time, but it's all about a growth mindset with this team. And I know they're going to improve upon whatever holes that they've seen uh, with this game. I do want to fo- uh, shout out Fox, who did an incredible job on DMAR uh, in the clutch in the fourth quarter. Um, I think DMAR was held to like 35% uh, from the field, which was great. So uh, kudos to Fox and AHB who covered DMAR uh, to me, I feel like, most of the time in the first half. And let's not forget, as great as Caruso is, Fox dropped 40 on him. Uh, and, and I would say it was Caruso and a little bit of Ayo Desunmu uh, who covered him. So I think that's a phenomenal thing. I wanted to know uh, what you guys thought about just overall our starters. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of what you look for, especially when you keep a core together for like an extra season, you always look for growth and what this team has been challenged on, you know, kind of from day one when Mike Brown took the job was he wants to instill defense into his players. And so the fact that yes, our offense is obviously not as great as it was last year, but our defense has gotten better. And just to see the growth of like specific people like Darren Fox, like his defense this season has been so good when he's locked in, like, so, so good. And Kevin Herter, I feel like, you know, he obviously went through that slump and mentally, I feel like for a little bit, it was kind of getting to him. But then I think he kind of took control of it, put himself into a different mindset and said, you know what, if I, if I'm struggling shooting, that is totally okay. How can I go out here and affect the team in a different way? So just his defense as well has been really outstanding this season deflections. He's been doing really great on um, you know, things like that. Keegan Murray, his offense, obviously, you know, he's has more in his bag, what he's doing, getting to the basket. He's dunking more this season. He's not just settling for the three, which is awesome to see, but his defense especially has been great. Just watching him, you know, have that tough assignment of like, you know, the opposing team's best players some nights. Um, he goes out there and he gives it at all. He's going to have those nights where he struggled. And there's been a couple games, I think, on this road trip that he has struggled, um, but he's still you know, doing other things, rebounding, things like that. Um, Harrison Barnes, you know, he's obviously the one that's kind of been the shit on the most, I think, out of the the starting five and just how he's um, continued just to be that ultimate professional. I mean, he's available every game, um, knock on wood, uh, but he's continued, you know, especially like as of late, he's getting kind of back to his old self, you know, being aggressive, drawing fouls, getting to the line. He's shooting better from three. Um, and then he's, you know, rebounding a little bit more, which I think is huge because people are kind of shitting on his rebound. So I love that, you know, progression from him as well. And then Sabonis, I mean, the fact that Sabonis has taken like his game to another level, um, and just putting up the numbers that he's putting up, uh, is amazing because especially after all the criticism that was being thrown his way after the playoff series, which it was granted, you know, he did not have a great playoff series, but the fact that he embraced that got into the off season, took care of his injury with his hand, um, but then started to just go to work and continuing to do what he's doing. Um, he's 
you know, I wish he would still kind of shoot more, you know, from the free throw line ish and things like that. Take that mid range jumper a little more. Um, but his three point shooting, I mean, he's only taking a couple a game. If that um, is nice to see, he's, you know, hitting about 50% from there. Um, so just to see like the improvements of our starting five um, in both aspects, because again, the offense has not been as great, obviously, but when you focus more on the defensive side of the ball, that's going to happen. Most teams that focus on both aren't going to have the number one offense and the number one defense. Like that's just a rare occasion. So the fact that they're kind of balancing it out um, is I feel like a better improvement because come playoff time, you got to be able to lock in defensively because you're playing the best teams of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah, I agree with most of that. Actually, it's just, you know, we've sacrificed a little bit on offense for defense, but it almost looks like in the last month or two, it's finally paying off. Um, Mike Brown's defensive schemes have been like um, really good. Like if you look at some of the, I can't name anybody specifically, but if you look at games like two, three months ago, um, okay, going back to the Orlando game at home uh, where Paolo had like 45 and we kept doubling him, but these guys that aren't high, you know, percentage three-point shooters kept knocking down these shots. Um, and you're saying, why Why are you doing that? What is this game plan, Mike Brown? What are you doing? And, you know, it's actually a really good game plan. You saw it work on Luca. You, you see him like, you know, blitz Devin Booker. And there's a reason why, and for whatever reason, teams are on fire when they play the Kings. I don't know what the numbers are, but they're like top five three-point percentage against us. So I don't know what that is, but it seems like in the last month or two, the defensive game plans actually are um, paying off. And we've been holding teams to like, you know, we haven't been scoring much, but we've been holding teams to like 105. And I can't remember the last time we saw that, especially in today's NBA where it's the best offensive year ever. Um, but yeah, as far as the team and the starting lineup, um, really great starting lineup. Um, and I don't want to have this come off like I'm bashing some of the lesser guys, but I think the potential could be even more um, because I think we're fifth in um, net rating with our starting five. And I, I love Herder and I don't want to lose him because he does so many good things. And when he's engaged on both ends and he's rebounding and backdoor cuts and running the break, like he's a really versatile player and he's only 25. So if we could lock him in, that'd be great. Um, and then Barnes, you know, I, I've rode with Barnes forever. My big knock on him is that it kind of comes in chunks. So you'll get, you know, seven or eight really good games from Barnes and then maybe seven or eight where the numbers aren't as uh, glamorous. So I think the potential with um, Murray, uh, Sabonis, and Fox as your core, like those guys have been really carrying the load this year. And um, so, you know, if we keep our guys, I'm completely fine with it. But I also think if there's a move up there to upgrade, because um, Barnes and Herder are probably our weakest defenders in the starting lineup as well. So, um but I, I love our team as a core. They, you know, share the ball really well. And I mean, can you believe that Domas and Fox actually had a jump in their game this year? It's crazy because we were talking about how good they were last year. And if they were just the same, as long as there's not that fall off. And here they are, like, you know, ratcheting their numbers up to quote unquote all star numbers. Uh, and then Keegan, uh, I mean, I could talk about Keegan for an hour. Um, 
as somebody who's been a Sacramento Kings fan for decades and decades, I've probably only seen four or five defenders that kind of come to uh, in the ballpark of what we're seeing with him. So ceilings, the roof. Um, I'm wondering if uh, not to be Jordan, but um, wonder if he ever has the potential to be a playmaker, because if he can get playmaker abilities that that really could change his ceiling. Um, that's the one thing that I, I think is kind of missing in his game. You guys think he's got playmaker potential down the line? I, I think it would it's contingent on his handle. So his playmaking is going to go as far as his handle goes. It's not there yet right now. It's enough for him to drive and, and go mid range and hit a pull up or go to the basket. But I think his handle needs to be a little bit better to be like a full on playmaker. Um, it's like, if you look at Paolo, Paolo has been this way as far as his handle is concerned for at least for years, he's had that handle in, in here. Keegan's just catching up to him not catching up, but just starting uh, to take the ball uh, off the dribble and whatnot. So it's going to be a while. I, I would say two years where we could feel I, comfortable with him, if that makes I sense. I 100% agree. I was having that conversation with somebody the other day, and I said his his ball handling skills is basically, if he can develop that, kind of like that Luca or SGA or Paolo where they're dribbling in traffic, he's so strong. I know he can move, maneuver around in there. It is just can he get the handles on lock? Because if he can, he's going to draw a couple people easily. Um, so that would be huge. But, I mean, maybe he can do it now. It's just that we just have so many good ball handlers. Why would you do that, right? Like, True. You're going to let Fox do that or uh, Monk or whoever. So, yeah, I, I just want to say with our starters, and I've always said this this season, is that this season the story is more the improvement of our core. Right. And kind of like what you guys said, Fox's two way ability. And now he's a two way player, which is crazy. And then now he's literally a motion shooter from three. It's like, what happened? And this is just over a summer. And I think that's incredible. Um, and, you know, people thought Domas was who he is, but no, he's not. He's actually shooting from three now. Uh, he has this enhanced moveset. He has a right hand now. His footwork is incredible. And no, everybody thinks he's a brute because his go-to move is it's still that shoulder into the chest, but he does so much more than that. And then even his rebounding has gotten better, which is already crazy to think about. Um, and I remember last season or even the season before that in our spaces, I was I would always say, damn, if Domas would only do a Chris Welber, you know, little elbow jumper, he'd be set. And he's doing that now too. So he's enhanced this play. And then, yeah, like you guys said, uh, Keegan's two-way play is incredible. He's our best defender now. Um, and he's, the, he's a three-level scorer. He has a, a mid-range floater. He has a mid-range pull-up. We know what he could do from three, but his finishing package has gotten better. He's doing baseline fadeaways now. It's like, what are we doing? We have so many weapons uh, to go to uh, for offense. And then we mentioned Kevin Herter. Um, his playmaking is so much better now and it needed to be because they would top lock him and then he couldn't hit a three pointer anymore. And then where do you go from there? So now he's dribbling a little more in playmaking and if they like stop him and trap him. And I, I think his processing and I hate to use basketball jargon, but his processing is so good. He knows where everybody is on the court and, and he's getting the ball out of his own hands. If they stop him, you know, at the top, you know, around the screen. So it's like, 
he's been great. And then HB does what he does. Right. So you mentioned the trade deadline. It's Thursday, February 8th, 1 PM Pacific time. Any expectations? Um, I'm not going to have, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because the, like trading in any sport is so hard because it takes two to tango. Like we can, everyone can do their mock, you know, trades or, you know, trade machine, you know, stuff and think, Oh yeah, because the salaries match and, you know, because the trade machine said it would work that it's, you know, it's going to happen. It's like, there's a lot of levels to this. Um, so I don't have any expectations. I am honestly expecting there not to be anything because I'm not going to like set my expectations high and nothing happened and then just, you know, kind of be disappointed, I guess. Um, so I'm just like, if it happens, it happens. And I trust Monty with if anything does happen, he's doing it in the best interest for the team now and in the future. Um, and if he doesn't make a move, I'm also okay with that because again, numbers are showing um, that this team is at a better point than they were last season records wise. They're still top five in the, you know, Western Conference, which is amazing with how just loaded this Western Conference is this season. And like, you know, really like there hasn't been that many injuries outside of a few teams and things like that. So the fact that we're still in the like thick of things with the same team, you know, barely made any changes or anything like that. And we're still performing at a high level. I'm going to be okay with them, you know, not making improvements because again, eventually there's going to be improvements to be made, whether that comes at the trade deadline or whether that comes in the off season. So if nothing happens, I'm okay with it. If something happens, I'm going to be okay with it because I always try to look at the, you know, the things more in a positive way um, because I have no control over it because Monty is in that position. He gets paid the big bucks to do his job and he has earned that right because he's done a really good job turning this franchise around um, and making them a playoff, you know, contending team. So yeah, I'm just, I'm going to wait and see what happens. No, I was going to say, uh, Naima just joined us. Uh, Naima, welcome. Glad you uh, came through. How are you? Yes, finally, my power has just been in and out, but it's finally working now. Hey, we'll, we'll take any minutes you can give. Um, you know what? We're talking about the tread deadline, which is going to be at Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, do you have any expectations, Naima? Honestly, um, I don't see anything like major uh, happening. I don't think Monty's going to like make a big trade or anything like that and put us in a hole. But you, I mean, I guess you never know, but that that's what I'm expecting. Nothing too big. Right. Ross, what's your take? Um, yeah. To touch on what Liz said, I, um, I think I'd be okay if we didn't do anything because like she said, there's not that much injuries. Um, in the West, the West is way better than it was last year. And if you took the pulse of Kings fans on Twitter, you would swear we are like eight games below 500, but you know, we're actually better than last year. Everybody said we wouldn't be competitive because everybody would be healthy and there's so much more talent and we're struggling. And here we are like comfortably in fifth, you know? So if we didn't do anything, I'm going to be in the camp of, yeah, this is fine. It's like we said, let's just make sure we have consistency. Make the playoffs again. Who cares if you get bounced in the first round? You got to play another seven games. You got to let that bitterness build up inside the players and, you know, another strong offseason. Another one thing we didn't t 
talk about is like we when this team really was starting to build chemistry early on we would say imagine this team like year three the ball movement knowing where people are on defense so to just be in year one and a half still uh you know we're having a little kind of like slumping team chemistry kind of struggle which happens along the way it's never a smooth you know trail to the top um but they're still coming out with wins and learning lessons and developing so there's so much good things if we do keep it together um as far as if there is a trade i'd be ecstatic because being a kings fan my whole life can we count the number of times where we made a trade and we said oh my god we just got an actual person that legitimately we know can make this team better um i'm not saying there's a guy out there um but if that happened it would just be a nice bonus if i was gonna drop a name that's been a little warmer to me lately it's kuzma um i know it was the whole thing in the off season but if you can if the reports are right and you can get them for a first and maybe a player um i'd really take a risk because I think we need another guy that can attack the basket and break down the defense. Cause when we play these really good, you know, long teams, they like the Pelicans or, you know, Orlando, they zero in on Fox. And if Monk's having an off game, it's nice to have that guy because Domas is a really good playmaker. But um, another guy that, you know, it seems like we play these teams and there's six, seven guys that can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket and, that's the one thing I think we're lacking in our starting lineup is we we play – I made a note last night, and I said, this team plays outside in, and it's it's frustrating at times because you're supposed to play inside out. We have the people to get in there, but it just seems like we'll start the game off with five straight three-pointers. So I think Kuzma could – you know, it's a, it's a gamble. Um, who knows if he even buys in, but in if he doesn't, his contract is like friendly enough. I think we could probably still flip him for another first or at the very least get some decent. Um, so it's not not a bad contract, in my opinion. The only bad thing about Kuzma is that we are going to have to get rid of a starter probably to get him. So it's Herder or Barnes and someone if, else to make salary. If it was your choice and you could swap one of them right now, would you? Uh, man, I'm on the fence. I'm literally. <laughs> I know that's tough. It, it really is because I'm greedy. I, I really want HB here uh, in any capacity. Even if, I mean, I think he would be so good off the bench. If he could be our Jeff Green, like Jeff Green was to Denver last year, mm-hmm. it would be perfect. And I know I'm a repeating record of saying that, but I, I truly believe that. I think he could be so good for us. Um, and yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but HB is still super ignitable. And if there's a game in a seven game series where everyone's cold, HB could like pick up the offense. I'm not going to say it's guaranteed to happen, but it can happen. If anything, and this is going to be a very minor move, a very money style of move, it would be Royce O'Neal for two second round picks. Um, we'll probably just have to give up role players to match salary. And that would work for me because it's nobody that would really hurt my feelings if we were to get rid of them. Um, I will trade them. I don't want to say it like that. It might be Davion, but for someone like Rose or Rice O'Neill, I would, I wouldn't mind. Any thoughts on that? Or is that like hell no for you guys? No, no, absolutely. I, I love any little move to get an, another veteran defender in here. Somebody who can just step in, like even like, 
I mean, it's probably a little past this time, but like you saw Tory Craig come in last night and, you know, it's funny because all these names that we wanted three years ago are finally available for us, but they're like on the end of their career. Exactly. Well, and then if we do nothing, I'm totally fine. We're still better than we were last year. And, uh, you know, I know I kind of like wrote off our dreams of getting past the first round, but I think I'm going to retract that because I didn't say we couldn't get past the first round. I said we'd have to play like perfect ball to get past the first round. And considering who we are right now, and, and we're talking about the last 10 games, we're actually top 15 in defense. We're top 10 in offense. We're in the, we're 10th spot. And then for net rating, we're nine. So we're trending upward as far as how this team is playing together. For me, for me to feel super comfortable, if we did nothing, I do want us to beat our final bosses, right? I, I think we have a, a Pelicans game left. If we get, get get the Pelicans one time, if we could get a win back on them, I would feel more comfortable. If we could beat OKC on this road trip, that would tell me that we could hang with the elite teams. I'd feel more comfortable. And, and if Monty did nothing, I would feel good about it. And, and this is more for the fans' psyche, if anything. The fan base psyche, we all know they're going to be upset because I feel like Kings fans just want to be part of something. They want to be part of a Woj bomb which I don't think is the healthiest thing uh, to do. But yeah, if we're fine, we, I would be fine if we stayed put. Just win. And you don't have to win every game. Just win some key games to show me that you can hang. Well, I mean, too, if we look at it, like last year going into the trade deadline, I think everyone was like expecting something to happen. And then when all we did was trade, you know, for Kessler Edwards, basically getting him, like getting paid to take him, um, everyone was like, oh my God, like this is the end of the world. Like, what are we doing? And then we went on that spectacular like run to end the season and like got into the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. And then, you know, obviously the season ended disappointing and, you know, losing in a seven game series to the Warriors. But truthfully, like, yes, it sucks to lose. But like, if that's what it takes to get this team to that next level, and, you know, eventually compete for a championship. I'm okay with that first round loss because one, you're losing to the defending champions with a guy like Seth Curry, who literally had to drop a 51 piece to beat us. Um, so yeah, as it hurts to watch like your team lose, it's like, okay, bigger picture here. There's levels to this and it's going to take time because most of these teams that have, you know, built championship contending teams are still finding ways to actually win a championship if you look at boston how long has boston been a championship contender in recent years like yes we all know that they won many many championships beforehand but just with the roster that they have now like they've been a championship contending team they were just in the championship not too long ago and they still lost so they're they're still figuring it out and they have just amazing talent when it starts goes to their starting five and even their bench like it's crazy same with like philadelphia they've been trying to get to a championship and they have you know, the reigning MVP, who's arguably, you know, one of the best centers in all of the NBA. So it's like, yeah, if a move doesn't happen, I'm I'm not going to get disappointed. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going into it getting my hopes up with the trade, you know, people saying, oh, we're connected to this person, this person. Monty works best when everything's tight-lipped. Like, there's no leaks. Like, everything that Monty's done is pretty much, like, kind of out of left field. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't really like gotten like 
the information beforehand before it actually drops. So while yes, like all these writers and things can point us to specific people, like, is it actually really true that, you know what I mean? Like, of course, as a GM, he's doing his due diligence and calling and asking, okay, what do you want? You know what I mean? Like, no one saw the Tyrese Halliburton and Sabonis trade going down. Literally nobody. And if you did, then I need to know your sources. Because, like, when that wash bomb dropped, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, I was shocked. I was like, wow, that just happened. Like, holy crap. Like, and I got on a space and there was thousands of people in there. And I'm, like, trying to process the information. And I'm like, okay, you know what? What's done is done. Let's see how this works. And it's worked out for both teams, whether people want to admit it or not. So, again. I'm just here for the ride. I'm a fan. I love this team. I just want to see them win. And I know it takes time for that to happen because I love to use the Denver Nuggets as an example. Like they didn't win a championship overnight. It took them a lot of years and a lot of injuries and, you know, playing with their roster and, you know, things like that to get where they wanted to. Um, you know, Jamal Murray went out with an ACL. Michael Porter Jr. was constantly, you know, fighting injuries with his back. I mean, there was just so many times where they were counted out and they went to a championship and mind you, they didn't, you know, I mean, they swept the Lakers in the Western conference championship. Like I'm sure no one expected that, especially how, with how the Lakers were playing in the playoffs. So I'm just, yeah. Like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Speaking of hot teams, we have the Cavs on the road on Monday. They've won nine of the last 10 uh, they're streaking, not to mention they're officially full strength now. Dar- Darius Garland has come back. Evan Mobley has come back. Um, Jared Allen is is on a tear. What do you guys think? What are you guys, what are you guys expecting uh, from this game? Honestly, for me, I mean, like you said, that um, the Cavs are absolutely on a hot streak. And, you know, they, they've got a solid team. I believe they've won over 30 games already. Um, this year. So I think we're going to come out. We, well, I hope the hopes are that the, the Kings do come out and, you know, it's a big matchup um, and everyone just comes out ready and everything. We know we can beat uh, the Cavs because we beat them last year as well. But um, I just hope that like the, <clears throat> we don't start out slow and we don't really let what happened in the Chicago game where we basically blew a three, 30 point lead. Yeah. We ended up winning it in the end because, you know, De'Aaron Fox. Um, but yeah, I just hope that um, they come out strong and they come out um, motivated. You know, it's the last game of the, this long road trip and, you know, they get to come home to their beds and, you know, the comfort of their own house and things like that. So hopefully they use that as motivation Hey, one more game until um, getting home. And yeah, hopefully they'll come out with the W and you like that beam. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope we don't go down big early too. You just kind of get that feeling. Cleveland's been paying, playing so good lately, but, um, I did some checking in the Kings. I think the last 20 games, they've only lost by double digits once. And it was that Philly game, which for whatever reason, we just don't play Philly good. Like, I don't know we ever will. Um, not sure why, but it just seems like every time we play them, we're down 15 within five minutes. But besides that, the team really has figured out how to, you know, get it together as far as these blowouts. So good on them. Um even a couple games in the last 15 or 20, they'd go down 15 or 18 or whatever it is and 
they chip away and they make their run or they go down nine in the first quarter and end with the leads. So credit for them. Um, turn it around. Um, Cleveland's good though. Uh, Jared Allen is going to be a good test because getting into the paint with him is really hard. Um, so it's going to kind of have to be on Fox stepping up again. And then the one thing I'm looking forward to is uh, the last game versus Cleveland watching uh, Keegan guard Donovan Mitchell. And he did, that was kind of the first time I remember being like blown away, being like, is Keegan Murray like locking up a superstar right now? And that was probably two and a half months ago. And it seems like ever since now it's not even surprising anymore. It's just guy is such a good defender. Like you can guard somebody as big as Luca or as small and quick as Donovan. So I'm going to be watching a lot of Keegan off ball tomorrow. Yeah, it's amazing what he could do. He's literally being able to defend one through four. And I think that is so key for us moving forward. And that might be the difference for us getting into the second round for sure. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead. But, yeah, I'm expecting a good game. Um, I don't want to use the past as a barometer for how this game will go, even though we have handled the Cavs uh, fairly easily in the past. Uh, You never know, especially since they're new and improved and they've seemed to find themselves now. Um, winning nine of the last 10. So, yeah, it'll be a true test. Um, I tend not to worry about Domas. Every time I think he's going to have a tough time in the paint, he usually overcomes and overwhelms whoever he's going up against, uh, with an exception of the Philly game where Paul Reed gave him fits for whatever reason. And I'm actually going to give more credit to Domas just not feeling feeling well or not having the energy other than them actually dominating him uh, if that yeah when sense. when was the last bad game domas had like that's crazy he's taking he it got, to every oh my god he's just incredible so yeah we'll see and then i do hope the Cavs uh, are at full strength so we can truly uh see how the kings uh, stack up against a he- truly healthy team so after the Cavs game we have five games uh, before the All-Star break. We have Detroit at home on Wednesday, Denver at home on Friday. Uh, we're at K- OKC on Sunday. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, it's a back-to-back. We have Phoenix, uh, and it's going to be on TNT. That's a road game, and then we're also at Denver, so it's going to be tough. We have Denver in a span of less than a week. What do you think are going to be some key games? I mean, of course, we could say that all the games are key and they're super important because the records are important. But is there any game that stands out, Naima? Um, I think in particular playing the defending champs to see how we stack up against them is going to be really important how we perform. I know, I think they have Jamal Murray still out for injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but still, like we to see how uh, we're going to perform against them, you know, um, regardless of like them not having one of their players, like, you know, they're still the defending champ. They still got that target against their back since um, they just won the championship and everything. Um, you know, Phoenix, again, If we, let's see if we can like beat them. It's hard beating a team once, let alone, you know, three times in a row um, since we beat them at home and away. And it looks like we're going to play them again Tuesday. So, yeah, um, Detroit, hopefully it's not going to be like another Memphis game where we play um, down to our competition, it should be an easy win and everything. But I think um, we're, we have a lot of road games in the next like few weeks. So hopefully that we we can come out and you know this this 
particular um, road trip has been good to the Kings. So hopefully once we go out on the road again, um, we'll perform well. And then, um, you know, it's another back-to-back. I feel like we have our, we need a confirmation, but do we have the most back-to-backs in the league? Because it sure feels like it. Um, but yeah, I, I think those Denver games are really going to uh, show what we're made of. Yeah, I like, uh, I'm looking forward to playing some of these better Western Conference teams. Um, but it seems like the Kings really like get up versus the better teams. I, I probably should go back and do some research, but it, uh, I swear every time we're like a 10 point favorite, it means it's going to be like a dog fight. And, you know, some of our better wins this year have actually been against really good teams. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to the Denver, the OKC, Phoenix. And we actually, I mean, you can't bank everything on old matchups, but it seems like we do match up really well against those teams. And everybody wants to talk about our nightmare matchups with um, the Pelicans and uh, I guess the Warriors. But I honestly feel like we kind of broke through with our um, trouble against the Warriors. I feel like we're not looking at them the same anymore. Um but yeah, the Pelicans, we struggle against those matchups, but we've played, you know, certain teams really well. Denver the last couple years, um, the Lakers, we match up well. Phoenix, we've played really well. Dallas, there's a lot of teams in the West. So like you were saying, Daily, like I, I'm definitely not, you know, saying, okay, let's just be happy to make the first round and go home. I think if we get a good matchup, you know, it's this team is coming in ready. Um and I think we're less likely and probably worrying more about these nightmare matchups that probably aren't going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we'll worry about when we get there. But just, um, yeah, looking forward to the next couple of games. And uh, one question I was curious, um, this team has been so good on the road and they do everything right on the road. I have a small theory about why I think they struggle at home, but I'm kind of curious if you guys have any thoughts on why they just – can't seem uh, these really good you know top four teams in each conference they they have like a 750 winning percentage and if we manage to do that this team would be have crazy numbers but they just can't figure out how to win at home it's weird i I honestly feel like being on the road they're just more galvanized maybe it's the team dinners they're together uh that means they're just more locked in and whereas at home they become soft (laughs) because they're sleeping in their own (laughs) I'm serious. I think it's something like that. I just think these matchups are so interesting just across the whole Western Conference. OKC, you could argue, owns Denver. They beat them every time. Yet we've beat OKC every time. It's like, and I don't want to do stupid linear logic. Well, if they beat them and we beat them, then, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like that, of course. But I, I do want to see how we do against OKC, considering. Um, how we've already beaten them twice. I think to beat a team three times is extremely hard. So this will be a nice, uh, yet another barometer. Even though I know some people don't believe in barometer tests, but that'll be really interesting. And then of course our games with Denver. Um, and I do wonder if Phoenix has a psychological edge now, since they, they beat us in that one comeback game for them at home. So that's going to be interesting. And I'll never overlook Detroit. They're young and super talented um, Jaden Ivey has apparently found himself. Uh, they have all those young, lengthy, athletic studs on their team that I think are always going to be challenging. So 
you know, I'm just looking forward to every game. But yeah, for me, the OKC uh, game stands out. So I do want to skip Super Bowl predictions, um, especially since Liz isn't here. She's arguably the biggest football fan out of all of us. So I will skip that. But speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, I usually tune in mostly for the halftime. What are your three songs, your wish list uh, for Usher to play during his halftime set? Um, okay, for me, um, I think, like, realistically thinking, I out of the songs that I, I love of his, I think, um, oh my gosh, that would probably be number one. Then two, uh, Love in This Club. And then three, uh, My Boo. And then hopefully he'll bring out Alicia Keys. Those are my three. Nice. Classics. Um, I got two for sure. Uh, my Way has always been, you know, old school, kind of my favorite Usher song. But, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, he's got to do Yeah and, like, bring Lil John out. That was just, like, one of the biggest smashes of, like, the last – that was like arguably one of the bigger hits of the decade. So, you know, he'll, he got to do that. What about you daily? Uh, for me, personal favorite. I don't know how big it was, but I've always loved caught up. Um, that's one of my personal favorites, just period. But I, I don't know if that's like the most well-known song that anybody would do for a Super Bowl set, which is worldwide. Um, and of course my boo, uh, and you're right about that. Alicia Keys coming out would just tear the house down. And then DJ got us falling in love again. Um, I think that would work. So uh, those are my three as far as a wish list is concerned. Liz, we're talking about Usher's halftime wish list. Uh, what are your three, three songs? Liz, you connected? All right, we'll move forward. All right, so every episode of the Beam Unit, uh, we like to do a top five list, and I want to get a barometer of everyone's tastes. You, you kind of show your personality and your age, uh, especially with this topic. I want to know your top five musical acts when you were a teenager. Uh, I limited it to the years of 13 to 18. I think that's when you get a good idea of, of uh, what you really like. Um, and we'll just start off with our fifth and these don't have to be in order. Uh, but you know, we'll just say one of each and then we'll work our way up. Um, Ross. Ooh, um, 13 to 18 was such a, that was such a perfect like time for music because I really started developing my taste at, you know, 12, 13 actual, not just listening to what, my parents raised me on, which was really good music. You know, I'm an 80s baby, so I got to grow up with MJ and just, you know, endless stuff. But when I, my personal choice, top five, mm, I'm going to go with like something like Nirvana. That was like the first band that I really kind of fell in love with, made me pick up some drumsticks and just fall head first into the culture of thinking I'm some grunge kid. <laughs> Nice. So I imagine there's plenty of photos of you wearing flannels, right? Oh my God. I'm rocking one right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's timeless though. Naima. Um, you know, what's so funny 
when I was like 13 to 18, um, it's the literally it's the years that I was literally from 13 to 18, I was pretty much obsessed with K-pop. So <laughs> I would probably say at that time, um, Shiny was like one of my, I mean, you know, I'll still love them forever because they were just so a big part of my childhood. But yeah, Shiny was like my favorite, favorite. Nice. Uh, for me, um, you know, I would frequent LA quite often. My, my family's down there. My auntie's down there. Rest in peace. And yeah, she would take me to the Rhodium swap meet and there was always a guy that sold records, uh, whether they were legit or not. I don't know. So you were sold records and tapes and, uh, my first vinyl was actually had a few, uh, one was rock him paid in full. And then the other one was, was NWA or easy. So yeah, I would say NWA, uh, for my fifth group, um, Naima, give me another group. Your fourth. Okay. Another group, another artist. Um, wow. I'm, <laughs> I think another, it would probably just be another, um, K-pop group. I really liked Big Bang, Big Bang after school. Like, yeah, the, those two artists, um, again, I was obs absolutely obsessed with K-pop my teenage years. Um, so yeah, they, they were, they were what I listened to majority of my, uh, my high school. And, and just to clarify, those groups are what second or third generation, second generation. Nice, nice. Yeah. And it's funny, it's ironic for me because right now I'm super into K-pop. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm all into the fourth generation groups. Mm -hmm. you know. Well, actually, just a few, really. It's weird. Once I get attached to a group, I kind of just stick to them. Yeah, that's how I was too. Everybody else just seems not up to par. So, and that's a whole nother story. I'll I'll probably devote an episode to my my new jeans devotion uh, some other day. Um, <laughs> Ross, what's your fourth? Um, first of all, K-pop does bang. I love all music and uh, definitely had a little phase. I, You guys probably got to give me some suggestions so I can get a little deeper into the realm. But um, I would say he's like probably not even a big, I'm not even a huge fan of his music anymore. But at the time, I was just basically into grunge rock and I borrowed my buddy's Dell the Funko, Funky Homo Sapien tape. And that kind of like blew my mind open to like underground hip hop and definitely spent the next two years basically, you know, in used records shops and getting cassette tapes. So he was a fun one, man. He he's kind of a crazy artist, but he always, you know, is a, a real, uh, you know, storyteller. And he's he's a wild one. Hey, man, Mr. Dabalina, what, what are you going to say? You yes, sir. Ice um, Cube's <laughs> oh dude first album the first album was amazing yep. uh, the thing is about him is, is that he's actually to me if, if someone were to say oh yeah he's a top five lyricist i would agree i think he does cadences in, in rhyme schemes that were ahead of their time i just think he was so left field that he's just not appreciated yeah uh, in his his like run of albums are so different. Like it's funny when I first started listening to him, I wasn't a fan of his first album because it was so funky and kind of different. I liked the more boom bap. And then um, he came out, who's the producer, but he came out with that Deltron 3030 album while he was rapping about oh, being in the future. Yeah, yeah. And even that was awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, awesome. So I'm going to go uh, four, three, 
and then uh, now you make a go uh, three two. Um, so my three two, actually my four three is Jodeci. Uh, I was just an R and B kid uh, in my teenage years, so Jodeci and then New Edition. So those were my groups. Um, I don't know, just the way they did their thing. Their singing was on point. Their production was incredible. Um, and yeah, Joe to see a new edition. Um, Ross, what about you? Um, yeah, R and B big part. I was maybe a little bit past this phase, but I always will like love this group and album till the day I die as boys to men. Um, just, I played that thing. I could still play that album out front to back and have no problems with it and probably be in tears by the end of the road. Um, but yeah, that was a classic. And then probably somebody like a sublime, it was just kind of the vibe. Like I was skateboarding and just, it was, I still hear Santeria to this day. And it brings me back to being like that age and just trying to, you know, find some, you know, fun and trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, that's classic. And in living in long beach, Everybody listened to Sublime. So awesome, awesome band. Naima, you're three too. Naima, are you linked in? My bad. I was I was muted for a second, but I, I was gonna say, um, I don't know if I'm proud to admit this, but at one point in my life, um, I was obsessed with Eminem. <laughs> like me and my friends were just we're we would literally memorize lyrics and like come the next day to school and just like rap to song his songs very funny um and then number two i also had like a janet face i freaking love her music so much i she's actually on tour um this year so i would absolutely love to get a ticket to that um i'm sure her shows are absolutely incredible what's your favorite um janet album? oh don't put me on the spot like that um you know what okay i will say all for you nice yeah all for you yeah i well because i'm an old ass mfr uh i would say rhythm nation for me i was gonna say either that or rhythm nation because that was probably the song that got me into I mean, because, like, it, it was long after, like, me listening to her music, like, way after when her, you know, when she was at the height of her career. So, yeah, Rhythm Nation is obviously another classic, too. Control is good, too. So Oh, yeah. Control had made me feel certain emotions that I didn't want to feel. I wasn't ready for. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, oh, he's dancing in very tight jeans. Why do I feel this way? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, but, and the thing about I, I really wish I was making money. I think I was still a student when Rhythm Nation came out, and, and so I didn't have the money to go see her live. Uh, but yeah, that would have been the tour to see her live because she would sing, yeah. and the choreo was amazing. Um, all the like uh, utilitarian uniforms, uh, so good, so so good, awesome. Um, all right, uh, Ross, your one. Probably gonna go with Far Side just because I bought that lab cal lab cabin california album probably like five times and it was just one of those ones you know always you know thinking of being a teenager and 
heard it on a skate video and was like, I need to find out what this band is all about. Like, I don't know what this music is, but I love it. And then hearing that album and just playing it, you know, you know, having my PlayStation on and playing video games and playing it on repeat. So that's probably a, a appropriate group for that age. Nice. nice. Uh, it's such a classic album. Uh, and then the first album was incredible too. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll give you my two and one. Uh, two and then they they could be easily flip flopped, but two would be Prince for me. Um, I've had a relationship with Prince like forever, so even before my teenage years. So yeah, he'll always be one of my guys. And then number one is is George Michael. <laughs> so and I started off as a Wham fan, and I love just new wave. Period. Just that eighty sound. Uh, just growing up in that decade was incredible. Uh, but yeah, George Michael was my guy for real. Um, Naima, your yeah. one. Um, my number one, um, to no one's surprise, Beyonce. Um, I've just been a fan of her, like, you know, Destiny Trials, all that, you know, with my sisters and everything. Just saw her this past summer. So, you know, she, my goodness, like Beyonce, number one, without a doubt. Sorry, that's probably my phone. That's amazing. I'm glad you got to see her live, too. Absolutely. It was like the time of my life. Hopefully I can do it again. She goes on tour again. Yeah. And, and it's sad that this album is is mildly polarizing, uh, especially for people who just aren't into dance music. But it's an incredible album. It really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that was amazing. I, I'm glad you guys shared your top five acts when you were a teenager. We want to thank everyone for listening in and making us a part of your day. So take care of yourselves. Hopefully we get this win uh, today on Monday, which is when this will be dropped. We appreciate everyone listening in. Uh, good day, good night, and light the beam.